on, hang on, hang on. Before we start the podcast proper, we are delighted to say that this episode is sponsored by On The Red Line. They're a website completely dedicated to following and supporting the British team, and they've got loads of articles about the squad members and all the competitions they've been in. Yeah, On The Red Line have been quite a big inspiration for us in starting the podcast. They've had a very similar ethos to trying to make elite orienteering accessible to club orienteers and raising visibility of the squad and what athletes are trying to do in their day-to-day lives and at competitions for people around the UK and further afield. So even while orienteering is suspended and they don't have the usual articles and Twitter interviews from World Cup arenas and directly from kind of athletes in the field, they've got a huge back catalogue of content for you to to go and um, check out. So particularly check out the athlete profiles, which have loads of interesting information about the team, what they've been up to, and even some how-to orienteering videos if you're looking to get anyone into orienteering who's never tried it before once we're all out of lockdown. Yeah, absolutely. Go check all of that out. Their website is ontheredline.org.uk. They're also on Twitter and Instagram as well. And thanks once again to On The Red Line for all their support with the podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Run-In. This week we will be talking about the cancellation of WOC 2020, EOC 2021 and the possibilities of actually having a sprint champs next year and as well as the mixed sprint relay competition we were running last time and um, World Orienteering Day 2020. And speaking of the sprint relay team, we are joined by the architect of the idea, Mr Chris Jones. Chris, welcome back to The Run-In. Thank you. Good to be back. How have you been? How's, how's it all going? Yeah, not too bad. So, I mean, I guess struggling with the same issues everyone else is. Uh, but yeah, all, all healthy, all well. You know, doing, doing well. Yeah. How, how much is uh, the current situation impacting on your, your kind of training and racing schedule? Uh, I guess, like you said, everyone's in the same boat. Um, but how has it affected your, your kind of situation specifically? Well, I'm quite well off, really, in terms of... I have a job I can do quite comfortably working from home. Um, it's you know it's it's not great not having the same interactions on a day to day basis. It makes the work a bit harder, but um, I can still do my job. Uh, I don't have a commute, which is which is an upside. Um, and it's really training is fine. I, I enjoy doing the training, so I'm getting you know a lot of good running done. But uh, it's just a bit of a change of focus because obviously, without the races on the horizon, it's uh, get that motivation to get out and really sort of put in the quality hard sessions is is not really there often. So yeah, yeah, and I, I guess Catherine is as obviously I completely forgot to introduce Catherine to Catherine's here as well. <laughs> Sorry about that, Catherine. But as we were saying last week, it was. Um, that seems to be what most people are struggling with that that kind of motivation to get out really find some some kind of mm. so chris chris how are you, how are you dealing with that are you setting yourself smaller goals so i've i've sort of i've i've gone through various different uh waves of you know what i'm going to try and do currently i'm i'm just sort of reining everything back in terms of intensity and i'm just using the time to focus on maybe on some 
some weaker areas. So building some strength, uh, sort of getting, you know, some of the the hill sprint type work, sort of eight to ten second hill sprints, really short, sharp stuff. That's not really a, an aerobic type session, but getting those in, hopefully improve a bit of leg speed. And just other other than that, not worry if I hit you know interval sessions during the week, uh, but just getting trying to get out and do do the volume because I think the great thing about training in lockdown is it's it's really nice just to escape, um, do some running on some nice roads somewhere and uh, and when I say nice roads, I mean I I can run out into the countryside so it's a bit quieter and. Um, yeah, sort of use the running to sort of help cope with the sort of stresses of life. So, are you enjoying it more than maybe before? Are you finding, or are you finding new ways to enjoy the running and the training? I, I think I think it's a different sort of enjoyment. I uh, I, re- I really like racing. Uh, mm. I sort of I like that um, when I'm doing interval training and sort of hard running. It, it's really geared towards being as good as I can be on race day. Uh, I do. I enjoy those sessions, but it, it's difficult to get the same feelings when you know that in the back of your mind there isn't a race day coming. So that's why I've sort of stepped back from them. And as well, I think it's um, I think it's easy for people to get carried away because, and I think I was the same. Uh, you, 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 when you when you have races every sort of couple of weeks you're easing back a little bit every couple of weeks just to be a bit fresh for the race. Mm. Whereas if you're not doing that constantly, there's a a real sort of um, danger of just digging yourself a a hole and actually, you know, not giving yourself that recovery that, you know, even a couple of easy days before a race gives you. And I think I struggled with a couple of sort of small niggles um, at the start of all of this. And I think that's purely because you, you just you just don't give yourself that recovery that you normally force to take. Interesting point. So I guess well, the reason we're, we're talking to you this week is because in the last week the World Championships were cancelled. Um, well, I say cancelled. They've been everything's been moved kind of back a stage. So the idea is to have Denmark in 2022 that was meant to be this summer. Then Edinburgh again moved to. Um, years back uh, this is all kind of still pending all the final approval um, but they basically said that travel restrictions fair competition and and I think the major thing from what, what I took from the uh, statement is that stakeholder financial support no longer guaranteed for 2020 and then unable to schedule in 2021 in terms of clashing with the Olympics Paralympics uh, world championships in the Czech Republic and the Tour de France, which is having one of its uh, the first stages in the the world cha- the world orienteering championships host um, city. So big clash there. Chris, what was your kind of like first reaction to the the world champs properly being cancelled? Actually, uh, not not nearly as bad as when it was first postponed. Uh, sort of six. Six weeks ago, four weeks ago, mm. lost all track of time. Um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, you know, I, I I expected it wouldn't happen. Um, and it, as as an athlete, you have to keep training and and working as though it will happen in October. 
but I think just from looking around at how things were going, I think I really struggled to see a, a world where free movement is the same everywhere, ready for October, and particularly mm. in the months leading up to to do things like training camps and and these sort of key things that they laid out should happen before World Champs. Mm. Um, I found the the announcement this time was a lot sort of it seemed a lot more honest than last time because the last time it was sort of put out with these um sort of statements about the photo athletes commission and what they said Mm, and and I think maybe taken out of context a little bit and you know the whole nuance of discussion is lost when you publish these things but it, it, it sort of came across last time as oh, this is the best solution and the athletes think this is the best solution. Whereas this yeah. time it this time it really came across as, look, we're really struggling to make this happen. And, you know, from a money standpoint, from a logistics standpoint, and I think as athletes, we can, that just, I can understand that a lot more because mm. those are the reasons that I can see as being real sort of, um, key things that play a part whereas I just didn't I didn't believe that the what the athletes commission was saying necessarily reflected the views of the athletes last time around and I've had you know I've sort of talked to a number of people since then and I I think that nuance wasn't there wasn't in there but it's, it's much easier when you have the sort of you think you have the the right story behind it yeah I mean just to recap then so that was the IOF put out some kind of consultation for the federations and the the athletes commission with the majority of the federations supporting having the world championships in the sprint world championships in 2021 but the athletes commission um being they said they were mostly against that idea and they therefore leading towards that as as a, as a suggestion now it's mostly about um fitting into the calendar stakeholders and, and volunteer organization to make it actually uh, logistically as you're saying work in 2021 um will can you relate to a lot of what chris has said yeah absolutely it's um i think my so my viewpoint a few weeks ago was very much that they should wait a long time and try and you know leave as long as possible to to be able to put the championships on and then i think in the last couple of weeks i've slowly kind of come around to the idea of actually it's much better just to know now and I was quite happy that they came out with this statement a bit early because they said they were going to let everyone know on the 1st of July so we're two months ahead of that schedule Mm. Um, so I was yeah actually in the end I was a bit like Chris and relatively say relatively unsurprised that that this was the decision with how our lockdown was looking here and how other countries are looking the fact that Spain they've only just been allowed outside to exercise and it's for certain stipulated hours per day so mm. I think if they're at that stage already how can we have people flying from New Zealand up to Denmark to, to compete and race in a safe environment for them to be on a plane for however many hours you know traveling and for airports and stuff like that so I think yeah this is actually probably looking back the inevitable decision and it's good I think that it's been made early. I know it's incredibly frustrating for everyone to to have it removed, but 
I think this is probably the best decision at the end of the day. It doesn't make it any easier for, you know, how long our uh, uh, the wait for a sprint world champs looks like it might be now. It could be up to four years since the last one, which is, you know, pretty ridiculous. And the fact that WOC 2024 is now going to move out and that adds you know, two years on to some people's lives in some respects with being in um, the the embargoes in Edinburgh if you live up there. But, but yeah, so I, I was actually relatively um, stoic about it in the end and, and not that surprised. It was kind of a, more of a weight off than anything when it actually mm. came out. Yeah, Chris, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to look at it as... Um you know there's going to be challenges but there's also going to be opportunities and um even though you know i'm 29 and this was going to be a a world champs where i was you know hoping to be in my peak um hopefully i'll still be around in two years time when it's when i'm 31 i'm planning on being um but you know for for some people you know some of the younger athletes this could be a real opportunity of of now instead of having a a walk in Scotland when they're 21, 22, it might be when they're 23, 24. And actually some of those younger, younger guys coming through might have a real opportunity here to, to aim for a, a home walk. So there's, there's always, um, there's always opportunities in there. And yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I, but I, I, I think what we've, what we've talked about in previous podcasts is this, this may be hitting the British team, harder than other teams whereas more forest orientated athletes have you know have they frankly have more opportunities to win a, a world championships medal than than the sprinters do uh, they've you know there's a whole four well three or four years between um, a major major sprint event and that's that's really tough if you've if you feel like you've peaked within that period yeah no definitely um and I think there's, I think uh, I saw Morton Bostrom say on Twitter that there's, there's undoubtedly going to have been people who, you know, before 2018 when Rock split, would have mm. won a world champs in this year. I, you know, I don't think it would have just necessarily gone to the, the same old people. You only have to look at um, sort of Wojciech and Yannick winning in the World Cup in Switzerland last year. Neither of them have won a world championships and both of them would have been really strong contenders. Yeah, and um, and I think, um, well, people may well be making, like, big life decisions that now maybe they maybe they kind of thought in the back of their mind, right, okay, Denmark Rock this year, Edinburgh 2022, then I'll kind of, you know, retire or whatever after that, aim for that Home World Championships and then kind of that be their, their last hurrah as it were and so I think a lot of people will be making making some big kind of decisions about where they want to live or whether they want to study or whatever based on this yeah no definitely and I I, I have I have huge uh, huge sympathy for anyone who lives in Edinburgh um, mm. I, I really hope that the the organizers and the IOF take a, a good long look at the the embargo rules because whilst we want fairness we also want people to um, be able to live their life as a, a sort of, you know, person might expect to. Um, yeah. So I, I hope they'll revisit that, and you know, I, I understand that you know everyone's gonna have, uh, you know, no, everyone wants a, a world champs to happen, but it is, it's just, yeah, it's one of those things where 
Um, it's almost so out of the, our control at the minute that it's just uh, it's not not much to to really worry about. Normally, if if something gets pushed out by this length of time, you have the opportunity to say, oh, you know, I'll go I'll go and do something different. I'll go and live somewhere else. Maybe I'll go and live in Sweden for a little bit of time and do some stuff over there, or you know, take a break and go to Australia, New Zealand, or go travelling. But they don't even have that option. Uh, to, to to get away and have a break so it's even worse yeah. than the kind of if you're living in Edinburgh at the moment and let's take the carcasses who's um who who grew up there and um their parents live there as well you know if they're quarantining in their student accommodation or it, with their parents they're the, you know they're locked down they can't escape that city that is where they are now um so it's even worse for for kind of people like that. And some people have managed to get away from Edinburgh and have, have gone back to the parents' places and other other locations. They've got that bit more freedom. But then I'd know it's even worse for different people within the city itself. So yeah, I think I, I agree with Chris. You need some kind of um, some kind of fairness in terms of what is accessible for people and and what they can do. And if that means that they need to open up for a little bit of time. Yeah, I think that's probably only fair, and I'll be booking a holiday up to Edinburgh for, <laughs> for a week and just running around constantly. But um, yeah, well, it, it well yeah, because the whole of Edinburgh, like pretty much a lot, large part of central Edinburgh, is embargoed with a few certain routes that people can go through, or and including the university as well. So. Um, yeah, that really actually does have an impact. And I think the the World Championships organising team with the IOF as well are going to, uh, I think, are discussing this at the moment and going to come out soon with what is going to happen to the embargoes because, um, yeah, for all those reasons you just said. And I, Well, I guess, Chris, as well, you, like, if there was no orienteering this year, normally you'd be kind of focusing on some athletic stuff, but presumably you'll just, all of that is off until further notice as well. Yeah, so I think Scottish Athletics have already said there won't be any races until I think the start of July at the earliest. Um, and, I, I, and the way I see it, any sort of any activities that come in at the start are going to be sort of lower profile activities. You, mm. you know, in orienteering, it'll be local events, it'll be sort of small club trainings. Um, and it'll be the same in athletics. It'll be you know maybe small track meets or or road races, and and that's really why I've, I've sort of backed off on my training because I sort of see well, you know, once those start to happen again, I've probably got another six weeks before anything of of note, just to to really mm. sort of you know get back into the groove of running faster. Um, but yeah, I, I sort of one of the things that's really messed up my plans is um, sort of the way the years panned out worked really well for me in terms of this year would be sort of full focus on the orienteering and next year uh, is the Commonwealth Games qualifying window. So it would have worked out really well. But it, now if there's a, you know, maybe a major orienteering champs next year, I've got a, a real decision to make whether it be a European champs or, or a world champs. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought up the European champs. So they were, the sprint European champs next summer, 2021, were due to be held in Russia in August. Um, but they've said that they're no longer able to organise that event um, because of the kind of the local government have said they're no longer able to provide mm -hmm. financing and support for the event 
due to oh, their anticipated follow-on economic impact of the pandemic. So um, the, currently there's the kind of discussions, uh, I believe, uh, with the organisers of the Orienteering World Cup Round 1, which was due to be in a couple of weeks' time, um, in Switzerland and they were kind of investigating whether that event can become the the European Championship so at least there's a you know I feel like if you hold a European Championships though it's basically going to be like a World Championships because all, all the top runners are European and everybody who isn't European and is a top runner pretty much goes anyway mm. arguably harder as well because you've got a deeper field because you're allowed six people per nation in the Europeans so uh, sometimes harder than walk, especially to qualify for the final. Yeah, definitely. Um, I so I guess confused. that's an option. Yeah, oh, absolutely, it's an option, and I think it's one that should be explored if possible. I think they'll probably drop because they've already got a knockout and a normal sprint, so they just have to drop the long distance for the sprint relay. I was mm. a little bit confused as to why the European champs were still taking place in Russia anyway, with the current ban on. Russian sport hosting any international sporting events and I know the Athletes Commission flagged that as a concern they had to the IOF anyway in their letter penned um, kind of a few weeks ago so uh, whether it's a good thing that it's moved anyway for you know in the interest of that fair competition element which maybe wasn't being followed or, or guidance I, I don't know I don't know if, I don't know enough about it and Chris might know a bit more about that side of things than I do but I think if we can hold a championships next year, that is the preferable option. And um, even if you allow the extra space to uh, to nations to have more runners, like the World Cup does, I think the World Cup has a maximum of eight um, races per nation if you're in the top tier. So um, I think they can they can just negotiate around that, have as many athletes as you as you want to go in, and um, just have the best competition you can have, and try and make it as uh, close to a a world championships having having missed a year as possible and get every single big hitter you can there i sort of see another step that I, I i this is coming from me having no understanding of the the, the sort of logistical differences behind it but i i see if you could if you're thinking creatively why could you not designate that as a, a sort of joint european slash world champs and whether you'd have mm. to look at you know some of the the finances behind the scene or the the quotas or or what whatever but whether you could effectively designate an event that is you know may, maybe not what you'd have for your world champs if you could plan it four yeah. years in advance mm. but it would still be a, a high quality high quality races it would it would give the sort of the guys from sort of outside of europe a real big event the sprinters sort of you know, Aston Key and Tim Robertson and Laura Robertson and, and the sort of um, those guys who, who maybe would look for a sprint world champs. Um, it gives them something sort of back in 2021. Um, but yeah, I'd be, I'd be wholly behind that being a, a European champs. Yeah. And well, I, I think in terms of... I, th- I have a feeling I read somewhere that the, the IOF had talk to the well i think they've, they've tried several options for rearranging the world championships in 2021 in different locations so not denmark and i i think um switzerland was probably an option in that and the organizers said they didn't want to make that world championships but yeah i kind of agree that 
with a little bit of an imag- of imagination and maybe accepting it's not going to be as large a scale world championships as you would normally like and maybe some sacrifices have to be made there some some of the guidelines have to be uh be changed for that event then you know what you should try and make it a world championship is because mainly because otherwise it's going to be four years between the two Mm. and like you say i think there's there's quite a lot of red tape that goes along with organizing the mm. world champs in terms of the mm. iof controllers and all of that but you'd think that they could just in the interest of getting one in and getting one done just strip that uh, that amount of red tape out and even if you know you have a limited amount of time to train on the maps or you know you can't embargo stuff for as long as you could have possibly wanted to surely having a world champs is preferable to not having one you can manage to pick an area which no one will have, you know, maybe one person will have gone to, but not a whole team. Mm, but orienteers love rules and technical they, guidelines and specifications. They, so breaking any of those <laughs> is going to be <laughs> the biggest well, sin ever. Well, I mean, that might be some people's world champs, you know, going through the rule book to find everything that's been broken. We can give them a bit of fun as well. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think other kind of things that have happened in the last few weeks, um, questions raised about with the rescheduling of the World Games, which would due to be Birmingham, Alabama, 2021, now going to be in 2022. Um, so talks about the FITO Commission reviewing the qualification rules for that, for the World Games, um, to be announced mm, sometime in June. Still no further updates on the Junior World Championships, which will be sometime in October, if that of course happens, in Turkey. And a Euro meeting, which was like a pre-World uh, Championships uh, 2021 Euro meeting, also postponed to October. Um, any any thoughts on that, especially with the, the World Games, Chris? Yeah, so I think World Games has a sort of different profile in different countries i i've mm. sort of never seen it as um as high as maybe a, a world champs but i know for for some countries performance at world games can get them access to sort of olympic level funding so it's certainly i think the iof should be aware of that and and, and sort of take that into account because you'd hate for someone to even for that sort of one person to miss out on you know what might be sort of you know a life-changing opportunity to be on that sort of support absolutely i think yannick put out a tweet partway through the week that was saying that he was he was requesting the iof to look at the um the qualification policy and i'm not actually sure what they are but i'm assuming that smaller nations like belgium have less athletes that are eligible to qualify for it um just as a rule in place so well yeah, i think hope, it's a very very small it. number of athletes can go full stop so not even every country would be allowed an athlete i think it's more to do with um what rankings and stuff as to who goes because uh, as as with an olympics um a lot of the limiting factors on in terms of numbers of sports is numbers of uh, disciplines that you have in the sport is the overall number of athletes that that you have and so kind of there there aren't that many people who can go to the world games because that's that's just how it works in terms of uh, numbers of athletes who can go right okay i'm surprised that jaywalk there's not been any updates for that because obviously that's 
I think those those kind of kids those kids need to know what's happening and they need to know what they can focus on and if they've just missed that final year of their competition I think it's better to know now rather than get to you know October November when they start a lot of them will be starting university in the northern hemisphere and settling into that new kind of lifestyle so I think it's better to know now but I know yeah I think they're due to announce um like what dates in October fairly soon but okay. um uh at the moment it's still going on in, in October um basically yeah yeah it's I think it's the same thing as, as with WOC I just don't quite see how it can happen um especially as for JWOC you will stay in the same accommodation as well so there's even more athletes you know on top of each other all the time in close proximity um yeah so a, i guess even a few, a few more issues with jaywalk than there are with walk it's one of those that i think as athletes we we want things to to happen and to go ahead obviously you know in a safe way but um i think we just have to have a an understanding that it's so difficult for organizers um sort of not just the you know the amount of work that goes on and if, if you cancel an event the amount of work that that goes wasted but mm. also the sort of fun the funding involved and the you know the the organizations who maybe rely on that funding it's it's a really really difficult um environment at the minute for events yeah and yeah. i think on that we, as Chris says, we as athletes are very, in, we're inherently quite selfish people. What we do is quite selfish in terms of, it's it's actually just indulgency in something and, you know, training as much as we do and and going off and doing all of these competitions. Um, it puts other things on hold, like, like we've been saying about. So I think it just, we as a group need to take a step back and just realise how hard it is on other people to, to put these things on and they're not, you know, it's no, it's never their fault if these things kind of get pulled. It's it's due to larger factors. The organisers want to put these events on just as much as we want to race them. Yeah, and I think athletes like being in control. And now that yeah. everything is beyond everybody's control, then um, it's made a lot more difficult. Anyway, let's move on from that uh, and let's kind of pick up the tone a little bit and have some fun with um chris the challenge that you set us in the last episode you came up with this um mixed sprint relay team where you have we've got 10 pounds we've got to um buy your squad some discounts though if you if you've got three or more who've competed in a team together before and chris we did admittedly we did change some of the prices from what yeah, you said, no, I, I think I think that was I was I was behind all the changes of pricing, apart from making me four pound instead of three pound, made my decisions a lot more difficult. <laughs> this made mine yeah a lot more difficult as well. So, who did you pick then in the end, Chris? I actually went for I went for a team I was in. I, I sort of I, I started off going through all the different teams I was in, and and, and sort of I, I've been in some very pricey teams. Sort of um, <laughs> Tessa Murray, me Cat was the first sprint relay I did. That is a, a very pricey team. Um, I've been in a team of of me, Charlotte, Peter, and Alice, which also comes in over budget. But the team of uh, the World Universities in twenty sixteen was uh, Charlotte, Peter, me, and Megan, and that handily came in on budget, and I, I couldn't. St- couldn't uh, 
not pick a gold medal winning team there. Mm. And you weren't the only one to pick that. I think no. uh, Ed Nicholas, manager of the, that team, uh, also backed the 2016 World Junior squad. Yeah, he was not the only one. Um, Will, did you have a team? Who did you pick? I did, I did. So I... Um, so when Chris first sent it through to me, he also set a challenge of or the question of do you back yourself to to make your own team? Um, so I I kind of had two versions of my team. I had um, Heaven Monroe going pricey from the top. I, I essentially did countdown two from the top, two from the bottom. So I went oh. Heaven Monroe and Claire Ward, who seemed a lot of people uh, thought were was a bargain to pick up. And Jamie Stevenson and Ali McLeod, because I think Ali is a bit of a dark horse of the sprinting. And uh, and Jamie, as Chris said, had turned turn down a gold medal. Um, but I also went for a another kind of variant of that, of um, myself, Megan, um, Chris and uh, Charlotte as well. So mm. kind of a slight change to the, uh, to the World Unis team and just um, swapping, uh, swapping Pete out for me. Nice. I I I actually picked you in my team, Will. Yes. I I wanted to go. Well, I wanted to go pricey on the on the women because that tends to make there's like a bigger difference in in gap in ability when you look at the the mixed sprint relays. They're won and lost on the women's legs. The men's legs, there's there's actually not much between them. There's not much changes because everybody's really, really close, really, really uh, together. So I I went for Megan and Sarah Rollins um, as my women, and then with what I had left over. I went for there was no I couldn't afford Chris I couldn't afford you at all with that with my um, pricey uh, ladies so I went for Ralph and you Will as my that's so that's my four it's so a good it's a good four Ralph Street Will Gardner Sarah Rollins uh, I'm not sure what order I'd actually put them in I don't know who likes running which leg in terms of because it's quite a difference with first and last leg obviously uh, for for mm. the for the girls yeah it's quite a lot of pressure on that first leg I'm not. I think I would have gone... There's a lot of pressure on the last leg as well. well that's true. I probably would have had Heather on my last leg to, to kind of seal it and, and bring home the gold, seeing as, you know, World Cup medalist um, in there for my... To, to close out mine, I probably would have put Ali on second and Jamie on third. Yeah. Yeah, probably that order, I reckon, and then, then Claire on first. I uh, some of the ones that I enjoyed seeing on Twitter. So Brian Ward backed Charlotte Ward, of course, saying absolute bargain. Backing uh, you, Chris, saying solid bets. Will again backing you another bargain, and Thanks, then Megan Carter Davis un- undervalued as well. So he's he's thinking he can get some some really good bargains here from our from our scoring system. I like his style. I like his style. Megan actually got picked up by a lot of people. So Patrick Jones, Helen Hanstock. Um, they all they both put Megan in the team. I think clearly she was maybe she was undervalued. Amanda Ward as well put uh, put her in. So maybe we need to rejig it. And um, and Rachel Rothman as well. Yeah, yeah, popular popular choice. Um, mm. And some good there was some good kind of uh, older teams as well. Like Murray Strain did two teams. He did one. Uh, he did Munro, Duncan, Stevenson, Haig, and then he also did one with him and Tess being Cat Taylor, then John Duncan, uh, Murray, and Tessa Strain as well. So um, just trying to go in for two teams there. Uh, mm. Chris, were you surprised by people's people's responses? By any by uh, any of them? 
I was surprised a lot of people pick me. So picking me over Jamie was a, a, a bold, uh, a bold choice. Uh, I, so I originally had uh, Jamie and Scott as the two two most expensive men, and I think world champs medalists. Uh, one of the teams I enjoyed though was on the red line wrote a, a thread, and this is a team I would love to run in. So Helen Bridal, John Duncan, me, and Heather Monroe. And so mm-hmm. Helen Bridal on first leg, walk sp- sprint podium in 2006, and multi-time first leg runner in the walk forest relay. Uh, John Duncan, so two walk forest relay medals. You know, mm-hmm. John was a, a class relay runner. Me, and then uh, Heather Monroe, who, uh, yeah, as a, as a sort of relay runner and individual bronze in the sprint that's a that's a pretty uh that would be a pretty cool team yeah mm. not bad that would be good yeah i like how many all. people were picking john with despite him not being a sprinter and not running in a sprint relay just because of how strong he is as just a relay runner in general yeah no john was a class did he win both of you claire and tia Miller first leg yeah in the he same could, year he, i think yeah, he, he could won run relays <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, I think Ralph's going to be setting us a forest one, um, possibly themed around Team Mila or Yukala for but picking a British team. But he's he's currently working on that because he's getting his perfectionist brain around all the scoring and all the pricing rules and everything. So um, hopefully that one is to come. He did actually set us... So we had a question last week from Ralph about the uh, British uh, Relay Championships and from two, 2015 onwards, we, how many winners of the British Relay Champs did not run uh, or did not finish the um, the individual the day before? So that was, we've got 30 names on my list. How many, uh, both Will and Chris, how many did you think did not win, did not run the day before or did not finish the day before? Okay, well, I've had one admission from someone who who wanted to, uh, who put their story out there for why they didn't um, before they were named and shamed. So I know one of them is Peter Hodgkinson because he said that in 2013 he missed the long distance because he had a very important engagement to participate in a dodgeball tournament in Oxford. (laughs) So he, but he did. Well, luckily my question is 2015 onwards. So he's not even on my list. But he's getting in his excuses already. He's still getting his excuses in. Um, I still think he might be on the list. But, oh, he's not on the list anyway. Okay, I actually thought no, he might be on, on the, the list. No, he's on the list. Oh, he's escaped then. Yeah. Oh, okay. Actually, no, the reason I thought he might be on the list anyway is because in 2017, he, he, along with a few other people, skipped the long and then was in the raft of missed punches that occurred on the relay day. So he did win the relay for about two minutes until their team was disqualified and I think the top three teams were disqualified so there you go that that was my confusion around maybe why he would have been in there but I've just completely rambled and Chris can have a guess while I think of my actual answer <laughs> well I, I just want to ask a question am I on the list for people who won the relay and didn't finish the the individual yes so I, I'm going to get my excuses in <laughs> Because this is this was the uh, British champs in Balmoral, where I I was running down a hill early on, and the, the string that ties my uh, SI card to my wrist 
caught on a tree and snapped. And I thought, oh, that's that's annoying. But at least I've got my SI card. Ran the whole of the long distance till about two and a half K to the end. So, you know, we're getting on 80 minutes here. And then running down another hill, put my hand out, and then my SI card f- flung off into the the forest, never to be seen again. Oh, so no. I, I feel a little bit hard done by by having a not finish <laughs> a DNF down on my name there. <laughs> well, the thing is, we have to, I haven't got all of the stories for all these people missing them. So to be honest, like I don't have no idea why these people didn't run or didn't finish the day before. We, but there's as an interesting question, let's just put it. We're just gonna we're gonna ha- we're gonna name and shame anyway. If people I do can not, send their excuses in, and we'll run yeah. through them next week and see if we believe them. So, num- how many people then? I think ten. You think ten, ten people, Chris? See, I was I was gonna go for eight. I think I don't think it's that many. So if we're counting people who who didn't run the elite or didn't finish it or didn't or didn't run it, then it is eight. Oh. And one of those on my list ran a W twenty one long uh, the day before, which I feel like should put this person on the list as not having run the elites because reasons um Agreed. so so we, there are eight people the um the entire south ribble team from 2016 heather room rebecca rook and rebecca harding uh, rebecca rook ran w21 long and the other two didn't run they i couldn't find them this is bearing in mind this is just me looking through the results this afternoon they were i couldn't find them on the results uh sarah jones didn't run in 2017 she didn't run the day before uh, 2018 I've got Mark Nixon and yourself Chris and uh, Fanny Gurko as well not running the day before and then in 2019 there which was in Yorkshire Kat Taylor didn't run the long either I know Kat was injured that year and she wasn't back to running the full long distance um distance time that you need to be out for there but was fit enough to run the relay so there's loads of stories, I'm sure, behind all of those, but the answer that you're looking for is eight. Good guess, awesome. Chris. Good knowledge. I, I thought it would have been more. Ah, lack of faith. Anyway. Well, yes. So there we go. There we have it. I think the next question is going to be, name the British winners of Tiamila and Dam Kevlin. Okay. Well, we've given people one already this episode. We have. We have indeed. And oh, I we, think... we only actually said he, he won first leg. Oh, that's, that's true. So you, you've given it away now. <laughs> oh, I, did, I, I thought I might have said he did the double. <laughs> can you name any off the bat? Am I allowed to, help, to, to name them? Is that helping people? Throw, throw one out there. W- was oh, this I'll... question set by Ralph? Yes. Well, I was, I was going to say well, the question say... master himself. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, he's fishing for some compliments there, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he really is indeed. Okay, so Ralph's on the list. We'll, we'll keep it as that. Send your guesses in. Send them into the uh, to our Twitter. We'll put it up there, and I hope I hope people can l- list everybody. Um, try and try and get them all. Try and catch them all, as it were. That's a tough question. That's okay. This is, going to be this is all time, so you've got yeah. to go back into the archive here. 
Steve Hale must have won it back in the day, or, or Bilbo, maybe. Interesting. Going to have to do some searching. Good question, Ralph. Good question. Yeah, we'll let you know the answer in the next episode. Um, and the only other piece of kind of news that we've got this week uh, is that it's been World Orienteering Day slash week slash whatever you want to call it in in the past week and uh, with a big event organised by the Lockdown Orienteering crew who seem to be going from strength to strength. Um, bit difficult to organise a World Orienteering Day when there's no orienteering that can happen. But um, mm. I, I hopefully uh, that lots of people will have uh, by the time you listen to this will have been joining in on on all the lockdown stuff. Yeah, hopefully. And I'm wondering if maybe this is going to be a regular thing now because of the amount of people that are taking part and and um, like Chris said to us earlier the um, the kind of appetite for it maybe during the winter when the when it's the off season people are going to be doing this as you know a way to compete and a way to have races and I think you're seeing it with the um, with the cycling world at the moment the fact that they're putting on virtual races all the time and people are getting more exposure sponsors are getting more exposure will this start to become you know an orienteering winter season almost that people compete against each other and there might be a i don't know in the future there might be a world cup um for online orienteering uh nah i don't think it's going to the real thing <laughs> i mean absolutely not no and would i rather be sat at my computer getting a load of questions wrong or be out in a forest there's really no competition no well i'm thinking more the catching features stuff um and that kind of live racing yeah, it could be kind of, you know, esports thing, I guess, having commentated on it. But, like, it's really... I'd much rather be commentating on an actual race. Yeah, no, I, I do agree. And, yeah, I think... Inter- yeah, there's no there's no um, replacement for, you know, having that close ba- head-to-head battle in a relay, say, um, to punch the last control. Yeah, I think that's what it's all yeah. about. So that's it from uh, today's episode. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with more orienteering chat, more interviews and more uh, news as well. So we'll be back in another couple of weeks. See you then.